You're listening to Hey Bitches Podcast, episode 54. Hey bitches, what is up you guys? It's your girl Carly. Welcome back to Hey Bitches Podcast. Hope you guys are having an incredible day. I am excited to sit down and talk to you guys today about sex. I know, surprising, run a sex podcast. I mean, it's not like the first time that we've talked about this, but I today specifically wanted to talk about safe sex. This, I feel like this podcast has transformed into a little bit of a place where people have come and they've learned and all this kind of stuff about stuff that they haven't been taught in school or from their parents or just haven't experienced in their life yet. So something I really wanted to talk about was safe sex in today's episode. So today we're talking about everything from STDs to UTIs to IUDs to condoms to birth control to all that kind of stuff. We are talking about it in today's episode. Now, before we dive in, I need to say I am not a gynecologist. I am not a doctor. I am not anything in the medical field. I am simply just a girl who has had some experiences and I wanted to share those experiences with you today. So please take everything that I say with a grain of salt. And if you do consider getting any of these things or you know, you have questions that further go into detail about certain things, please consult your doctor or another medical professional. With that being said, let's jump into the episode. The first thing I want to talk about that I feel like everybody always has questions about is birth control. Now, there's obviously, as you know, there are so many different kinds of birth control. There's the patch, there's the shot, there's the pill, there's an IUD, there's a NuvaRing, there's like probably a bunch of different things that I literally didn't even list. There's an implant, like there's all of these things, but today I specifically wanted to talk about a few of them. The first thing I wanted to talk about is the pill. Now, before we go into this, I literally just have to say that I have never taken the pill, so I can't really give you a ton of context on side effects or anything like that because it is something that I really just did not take, and I will go further into depth when we get into different types of birth control, but it is the simplest. It is the one that I feel like everybody starts out with or literally just like stays with. The pill is definitely you know, it's the go-to. It's how everybody kind of thinks about birth control. So starting with birth control, the birth control pill literally is just a pill that you take that is made up of man-made estrogen and progesterone. So these hormones, they work to prevent your pregnancy, obviously, but it is like a bunch of factors that make you not pregnant. So this is kind of the same with all of the birth controls. I'll kind of just like break down the, the process, but basically it literally stops you from ovulating. So from releasing an egg. So, I mean, this is something that we learned in sex ed, but if you're, if you're unfamiliar, literally you as a female, you have an egg, it's in your ovaries. It gets released every single time right before you have your period. So that when you have sex, if you do have sex and you are looking to get pregnant and a man does release sperm, they, you know, hook up together and then you get pregnant and you have a baby. When you're on birth control, the pill inhibits your ovulation cycle. So you don't ovulate, you don't release an egg, and it's like 99.99% effective when you do use birth control correctly. Now, correctly means a lot of things. Correctly means taking it every day, on time, not skipping days. Like I've heard a lot of stories about people getting pregnant on birth control, but like a lot of the time these people don't take it for three days and then suddenly take three and all this kind of stuff. But like those three days that you didn't take it could have been the time that your body 
you know, was supposed to release an egg. And because it didn't, you didn't have birth control, it was like, oh, surprise, here's like a, a random one. Good luck. So that is just something that I want to address when it comes to, you know, pregnancy and birth control and making sure that you take it. That is what's really important if you are doing the pill form. From my understanding, birth control comes in a certain amount of number of pills. So you get them like either like 21 days at a time or like 30 days at a time, blah, 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 that kind of thing. I'm also just doing a little, little tiny bit of research right now. And I just stumbled across the fact that, I mean, earlier I said birth control pills were 99.9% effective. It turns out that if you use them exactly how they are instructed, you don't miss a day, any of that kind of stuff birth control pills are 99.7% effective. And this also says due to timing errors, forgotten pills, XYZ, birth control pills are closer to 91% effective. I mean, I also should say that 91% effective with a birth control pill is better than 0% effective without any type of contraception if you are not trying to get pregnant. So, you know, just just keep, keep that one in mind a little bit. Also, like I said earlier, I have never explored the birth control pill side of that whole situation. So I cannot give you a recommendation. And I feel like I also should not give you a recommendation on exact birth control. However, I am going to share with you guys some birth control, like new online places. I'll explain this a little bit better, but places where you can go if you don't want to go into your doctor or if you consistently go with your family to your doctor and you maybe are ashamed to ask for birth control or you don't want anybody to know that you're having sex, which is totally fine. Totally up to you. It's your own choice. But I wanted to just share some things. If you are currently looking for a way to get birth control and you are unsure how to do it. The first thing I want to talk about literally is the simple version that like anybody can do. This is go into your doctor, speak to your doctor, tell them you want birth control. They will give you the right prescription, all of this kind of stuff. Now that works if you are going to your doctor on your own, or if you've already had a conversation with your parents, I'm assuming like you live at home. If you don't, then it's whatever, but you've had a conversation with your parents or you've been having sex for a long time or, you know, X, Y, Z, you're in that situation where you can talk to your doctor and they can prescribe you birth control. That is obviously the path, but the, the path of least resistance, if you will. So you go and talk to your doctor, get some birth control. Now, let's say you are like the other people that I had described earlier who maybe don't want people to know, or, you know, you're embarrassed or X, Y, Z. These options are really good. They've come about in the past like couple years as a birth control to your door type of service. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, the first company I wanted to talk about is a Canadian company. So this is for you Canadians, because I know we have some Canadians on the podcast. I for example, I am Canadian. So this is one that I really like and it is called Felix. So Felix is a birth control to your door type of company and they do a bunch of different things. So they do birth control, obviously, but they also do things like allergies, cold sores, genital herpes, erectile dysfunction, acne, and hair loss. What's really cool about them is you sit down and you have an online consultation with an actual medical professional. So you don't just go on there and you choose like, okay, well maybe this type of birth control is right for me. You don't do that. You literally have a consultation. You write down or you in their app, they actually have like a really cool app. You literally go through and you go, okay, how often do I want this? What are some things I'm potentially allergic to? What are like, what is my lifestyle like X, Y, Z? 
and they will match you with your best options and then you can choose. It's $40 for a visit and your prescription will be good for one year. So you literally go one time, you have this consultation one time and your prescription is good for a year. You get it checked over by a medical professional and you're good to go. You choose your frequency. It literally is like Amazon subscribe and save. That is literally what Felix is. The forms of birth control that Felix specifically offers are the pill, the patch, and the ring. Currently, I guess, are on the topic of the pill, but I will definitely get into the ring and the, all of those other types of situations. What I really like about Felix is they do have options. So maybe the pill isn't exactly right for you. Maybe you want to go the ring route or the patch route or whatever. They can actually recommend you what would work for you specifically. I also should say that this kind of thing, it's called telemedicine. It's currently not covered under a lot of our Canadian insurance plans. However, it is pretty cost-effective. So I would definitely see that as a pretty good option. Also, if you are in Ontario, as of April 1st, 2019, OHIP does cover birth control for all women in Ontario under 25 years old that do not have private health insurance. So if you have private health insurance through your um, like job or anything like that, then you are not eligible. However, if you do not have private health insurance, then Felix, you are covered in Ontario if you are a woman under 25. So that is also something to keep in mind. They say that birth control medicine filled by Felix has a starting cost of $13 per month. The price will vary based on the drug chosen, the province it's shipped to, and the refill schedule chosen. So obviously this makes sense, but $13 a month for birth control is very affordable and Felix wants to make it easy for you. Obviously you have to factor in things like shipping to your door and XYZ. However, this is a really good option. Like I said earlier, if you don't want to go to your doctor or, you know, you're not comfortable sharing this with your family or your partner or anything like this, this is a really good way to keep it very, you know, down low, but also take care of yourself. The next one I want to talk about, because like I said, Felix is for us Canadians, but if you are a US listener, another really good alternative is Simple Health. So Simple Health, I'm sure you've actually seen like YouTube ads and stuff like this. This is actually how I came across Simple Health, but Simple Health is the same type of telemedicine situation where you get birth control to your door. So it works in the same kind of way. You literally, you fill out your medical history, your personal preferences, and then they share that information with a doctor who can prescribe you a birth control brand that is safe and effective for you. Also moving on to the payment situation, there is a one-time consultation fee of $20 US, which covers your doctor's time. From there, birth control is $0 with most insurance and starts at $15 per month without. I mean, like we all know, the US doesn't exactly have the best health insurance situation, but this presumably, I feel like, is a pretty good deal, $15 US per month for birth control without insurance, because I feel like it cuts out the middleman, so you're not paying those like exorbitant fees in the US that they have attached to medical services. So not only does this help protect you sexually, but you are not, you know, shelling out thousands or hundreds of dollars a year to be protected. So once again, birth control they're saying is $0 with most insurance in the US or it starts at $15 per month US without. They also say that we'll help you find a method that fits your budget. So Simple Health really does care about, you know, sexual well-being and wants to make sure you are protected 
at all times. Similarly to Felix, this literally is the same type of model. They ship it to you. You choose your refill schedule, XYZ. You can easily cancel at any time. And I mean, it just shows up at your door. How easy is that? Something else that I also like about Simple Health is they are very community focused. So they have a patient experience team and you can also message your doctor, XYZ. Obviously, I believe these things do come at a cost. However, it is actually very, I feel like, you know, cost effective, especially if you are in the US. Last but not least, when it comes to Simple Health, they also do the pill, the patch, and the ring, which is exact same as Felix. So to round out this telemedicine situation, Felix is a very good option if you are a Canadian. That is Felix, F-E-L-I-X, and the website is felix4u.ca. If you are a US citizen, Simple Health is a really good option for you. So that is simplehealth.com. So we've kind of covered the pill situation. Like I said earlier, I've never been on the birth control pill, so I can't give you 100% insight. However, the next two things I want to talk about are the ring and an IUD. The first thing I want to talk about is the NuvaRing. That is specifically the brand that I had, which was a contraceptive ring that you literally stick up inside you and you leave it in there for like 21 days or something like that. And then you take it out and you change a new one. Originally, I went with the NuvaRing because I knew for me personally, taking birth control pills was literally out of the question because I would always always forget. And like I mentioned earlier, you, your effectiveness drops by such a large percent that I really just couldn't risk forgetting to take the pills if I was being sexually active. So instead of even considering birth control pills, I went straight into the NuvaRing. Now, let me tell you my experience with the NuvaRing. It was totally fine. However, it didn't fit my lifestyle and I will get into that. Let me tell you just about it a little bit. So the NuvaRing, it's made out of this like plasticky, membrane-y material. I, that is not a medical <laughs> description. I'm very sorry, but it's made out of this material. It's flexible. And inside this like little membrane situation, it has hormones in it. So the same way birth control works is the same way the NuvaRing works, where it has these, you know, this man-made progesterone and estrogen in it to stop your body from ovulating. What I really like about the NuvaRing, I don't know if this is actually, you know, more effective. I feel like it has to be, is that it's closer to your uterus. So it, I feel like in theory is more effective than if you are just, you know, taking a pill and it's getting digested into your body and then goes into your bloodstream. Another thing that the, the ring does, obviously there's different types, but for me, I'm just going to continue using NuvaRing because that is the one that I had. Um, and NuvaRing can also thicken your cervical mucus to keep sperm from reaching an egg. And that may sound like a negative thing. However, literally they're just narrowing the pathway of your, you know, your cervix so that in the event that perhaps a, you know, a little swimmer fights his way through the whole situation and comes out alive, that the hope is that the pathway will be too narrow for him to swim through to reach an egg. Another thing that the NuvaRing does is thin the lining of the uterus to prevent implantation of a fertilized egg. So like, let's say worst comes to worst and you have an egg that is fertilized, a baby can't start growing if it can't, you know, get implanted onto the uterus. So it makes it thinner so that in the event that that does happen, it can't evolve into 
a baby. In that kind of case, I'm not 100% sure. However, I believe that is an ectopic pregnancy where it begins growing either in your cervix or your fallopian tubes, which is a side effect of things like this, which I did want to talk about because I mean, as incredible as birth control is, there are side effects. So a side effect of a vaginal ring as well as an IUD is an ectopic pregnancy where you can get pregnant and because it cannot attach to your uterus, it does start growing this baby in other places that it is not supposed to be. Obviously, an ectopic pregnancy is something that is not good and something you will need to get either surgery or some type of other situation to deal with. And that is a situation where you do need to go into a doctor. However, for the, you know, six years that I've been doing this, I have never had any type of scare like that. But I am telling you this because, like I said before, birth control, any type of birth control also comes with risks. Getting back into, you know, what I like, what I didn't like about the NuvaRing. So first of all, I mean, it wasn't uncomfortable in any type of way. It was, you know, this flexible little membrane material. You popped it into your vagina. You literally fold it in half, stuck it in there, and it expands. And I mean, that does take a little bit of getting used to at first of getting it in the right place and all this kind of stuff so it like isn't uncomfortable but I mean after the first couple days you don't even notice it's there now you're supposed to wear it for three weeks and you'll definitely notice when you put it in first it is thicker and like harder and then when you take it out it is thinner and more flexible and that's because your body is digesting or breaking down digesting might not be the right word but your body is breaking down the little hormonal layer on the outside the little membrane situation and they are using that to prevent your your body from ovulating so it comes out basically like done so you take it out after three weeks and then you leave it out I believe for the week now this is where your period comes into the situation. So for me, personally, my period would never line up with my NuvaRing cycle. You're supposed to wear it for three weeks and then take it out for one week. And when you take it out is the day that you're also supposed to be starting your period. But I literally, like my body never like synced up to my NuvaRing and it was always a hassle. I always had my period like halfway through and all this stuff. It was just like, it was just not great. In a perfect world, your period lines up when you take your NuvaRing out. Now, you're only supposed to wear them for three weeks at a time. However, I have definitely heard of girls who have talked to their doctor, consulted with their doctor and are approved to skip any type of waiting period so they can like take it, take it out and put a new one in and essentially skip their period. However, that is something I would 100% discuss with your doctor. For me personally, this kind of just got annoying because it was never lined up. And like, then when I took it out for the three weeks and I wasn't on my period, like I couldn't have sex because I was not protected and all this kind of stuff. So that is kind of my opinion with the NuvaRing. For me, it wasn't exactly what I needed. However, it could be a really good option for you if you don't want to do the pills, but you also don't want to do an IUD. It is a really good in-between situation. The last thing I actually do want to mention really quick about the NuvaRing before we move into IUDs is sex and the NuvaRing. I feel like a lot of you might be wondering, like, can someone feel it? All this kind of stuff. And the answer is probably yes, but also maybe no. So for me, when I had a NuvaRing, my partner could feel it like the first couple days that I put it in because that's when it is like it's least flexible. But after you have a couple days, 
of it to like release the hormones and get a little bit more like mushy. I think it maybe basically feels like your inside so they don't know if you if they're hitting your nuva ring or like your the rest of your vaginal canal. So that is that is that for me. I've also had some friends however that have said that their partners can feel it when they're having sex but like somehow can't feel it when they're getting fingered. I don't know. There's a lot of options <laughs> when it comes to this. So I mean it's not like it's pointy or anything like that. It shouldn't hurt your partner if they can feel it. But I did just want to throw that out there because that is something I have experienced with the Nuvering. The next thing I want to talk about, this seems to be a topic in a lot of Facebook groups that I belong to, and I've been seeing it a lot, a lot everywhere. So the last thing in regards to birth control I want to talk about is an IUD. So currently for me, I am on my second IUD and I will kind of walk you through my my situation, my thinking, why I have an IUD now over the NuvaRing and all of that kind of stuff. So first things first is why do I have an IUD and not a NuvaRing anymore? For me, like I kind of mentioned previously, the NuvaRing was like not syncing up with my body, all of this kind of stuff. It was personally getting annoying, even though you only had to take it out every three weeks. It was just, it was just not for me. I am very much a set it and forget it type of girl. So that is what really drew me towards an IUD. So if you are unfamiliar, an IUD is an intrauterine device. I think that's how you say it. And it is attached to your uterus. You do go to a gynecologist to have it put in for you, like professionally. This is not like a DIY situation. You go, they attach it to your uterus, they cut some strings, and you're good to go. What I really like about IUDs, I'll list kind of the positives first. I actually personally don't have any negatives, but I will kind of get into everything that I've heard. So the thing that I really like about the IUD is that it is a set it and forget it type of birth control, and it is also the most effective form of birth control. So I believe it's literally like 99.99% effective because like I mentioned earlier with birth control, you literally cannot forget it because it's always attached to your uterus. And same with the NuvaRing, like you do have that period where you don't have it. This thing is literally attached to your uterus at all times. So it is a set it and forget it and you're good to go type of situation. The first IUD I had was the Kylina hormonal IUD. Before I go into my experience with that, I will also just tell you that there are two types of IUDs. There are a copper IUD, which is a non-hormonal. Um, the traditional name that a, probably a lot of you guys have heard for it is a Paragard. And then there are a hormonal IUDs. And those are things like your Kylina, your Marina, your Jadis, all of these kind of things. Those are your hormonal IUDs. So I'm realizing I said that my first one was my Kylina and that is incorrect. That is the one I have now. But the first IUD that I had was the Jadis. The Jadis to me is kind of like the introductory IUD. So the Jadis is a three-year IUD versus most of the hormonal IUDs are five years. I wanted to do a three-year because I had never had an IUD before. I wasn't like, you know, up until that point, I hadn't had any type of side effects with birth control. However, I didn't want to like put a five-year IUD in my body and then suddenly have all of these like side effects because the hormones were so high because I wasn't taking anything before. So for me personally, I did choose the Jadis, which is a three-year hormonal birth control IUD, and I really, really liked it. 
So I'll run you through the process of how you get an IUD. So you literally go to your gynecologist, you book an appointment, you sit in the bed, you put your foot up in these stirrups. They open you up with one of the, what is the actual name for it? It It's escaping me right now, but you know how you always see the meme and it's like, since guys know everything, what is this? Oh, it's a speculum. And the photo is the speculum. So basically they put a speculum inside you, they open your vagina up and they take this IUD. The IUD is tiny. Okay. It's really not that big. It's shaped like a T and it has these long strings attached to it. Your gynecologist will take this IUD out of the package. When it comes in a package, it's this long, slim package. And you might be like, what the fuck is inside that? Basically, when you buy an IUD, it has the IUD already in its applicator. So you don't have to do anything crazy. Your gynecologist literally takes it out and sticks it in. It's not like this crazy amount of prep. What you do is your gynecologist will take it and attach it to your uterus. After that, they will go in and they will trim the strings for your IUD. Now you might be like, why the fuck do I need strings? The strings are so it doesn't get lost in your body. And that also when you remove it, they can find it via the strings, detach it from your uterus and then pull it out. So, I mean, that might sound scary. I'll talk about my, my, you know, getting it taken out and getting another one put in process when I talk about my next IUD that I currently have. But sticking with the insertion process, this is how it went for me personally. I never really had period cramps at all. So I was never a person who cramped or anything like that. So when I got my IUD in, I had light cramping like for the day. However, it didn't really last more than the day. And then the next day I was completely fine. Some other stories, however, I have heard is that for people who do have cramping and XYZ, when they have their normal period, this is kind of a painful experience. So I think a gynecologist recommends that you take like a muscle relaxant or something like that to soften your uterus and so you're in like a better place so it doesn't hurt as much. You can also take a painkiller after you do get your IUD in and then it shouldn't be too, too bad. Something I also want to mention is that you do get spotting after you do get your IUD in. A lot of people are like, oh my God, why am I bleeding? It's just because, you know, it's a foreign object attached to your uterus. Your body is not sure what is happening. You do get spotting like you would like at either the very beginning or like the very end of your period. It is very light. It is nothing to be concerned about. It totally happens normally. And that is something to be expected. Sticking with the Jadis, I kind of also wanted to tell you how my experience was in the three years. So for me personally, I didn't have any, you know, hormonal related acne as a result of my IUD. I did not have any weight gain as a result of my IUD. There is a podcast episode coming out where I talked all about my my weight gain when I was like 21. However, I was already very much so a year and a half into my IUD. So it really had nothing to do with my IUD and everything to do with just like my, I actually have no idea. My doctor couldn't explain it, any of this. But I just wanted to say that just because I did have weight gain while I had my IUD is not because of the IUD. It was because of something completely unrelated. But for me personally, when I got my IUD in, I was fine. I continued to have this IUD for another three years. It was great. I loved it. I said it and forget it. Nobody could ever feel it. Like it wasn't, you know, bad at all. A big question. However, I do get a lot of the time when IUDs are brought up in Facebook groups or anything like that is, 
do you still get your period? Now, for me personally, I did still get my period when I had my Jadis IUD, which is the three-year hormonal. I think that's because it doesn't have as much hormones in it. And so my body still got my period like regularly on time every single month. And I, I kind of enjoyed it because then I like knew I was never pregnant, but also at the same time, it is kind of a pain in the ass to have a period, but I did have my regular period all three years that I did have my Jadis IUD. Now I've had other friends that have had this same IUD that have their period like completely gone when they start taking their IUD or when they first get it inserted. That is really just a body to body experience. For me, obviously I am a larger person. So I feel like, you know, the hormones, a lot of it acts with like your body fat and all this kind of stuff. When I've found a lot of my, you know, thinner, naturally thinner friends, they do not get their period because just of the way their body is built and how it works and stuff like that. And then for me, for example, because I am larger, I still continued to get my period. That's not exact science. I don't even know if that's 100% how it works, but that is just my experience of me with my friends and their IUDs. So that's kind of my experience when it came to my Jadis. Like I said before, it was a three-year hormonal IUD. I enjoyed it. I still got my period. I did not have cramping and I did not experience any negative hormonal side effects. Now, flash forward to October of 2019 is when my Jadis was like, hey, bitch, you got to go. We we are done here. Please get a new IUD. I sat down with my gynecologist and I was like, you know what? I had the three year. The three year is cool. And I mean, three years is a lot of time, but like I really want to set it and forget it for like five years. So I sat down and I talked to her about options. The marina is something that I feel like everybody is familiar with. It is like, I feel like the one that everybody knows. They're like, oh yeah, like the five-year hormonal IUD is the marina, which I totally get. So many people have marinas and that is 100% totally okay. For me personally, I went the Kylina route. And so the reason I went the Kylina route is because I just discussed with my gynecologist my own like needs and all this kind of stuff. The Kylina, I believe, is a little bit less of man-made hormones than the Marina. The Marina also is, you know, it's the one that has the most horror stories and stuff attached to it. I'm sure that's literally just because there is more people who have the Marina. However, I just wanted to do something that was like slightly less hormonal than the Marina and the Kylina is the perfect like in between. I also should say that the Marina is a bigger IUD than the Kylina. So that is something that I also considered. For me, like I have a pretty standard sized uterus as my gynecologist has told me. However, if you are a person who does have a smaller uterus or a shorter vaginal canal or anything like that, the Kylina might be a good option for you because it is considerably smaller than the Marina. So just keep that in mind. Of course, have a conversation with your gynecologist about this. Also, like I said earlier, the difference between the Marina and the Kylina when it comes to hormones. So this says right here that the Marina also releases, ooh, I don't know how to say this, Levonogestrel. 
I'm, mm. The Marina releases the hormones at a higher rate than the Kylina, although this doesn't actually increase its effectiveness. So like I said before, I just didn't want as strong of a hormonal IUD. The Marina does release more hormones and just has more hormones in the IUD because it is bigger. So that is why I went with the Kylina. So let's talk about the whole, you know, getting it taken out and getting it put back in situation because that's where I was kind of like scared because obviously I had one put in before, but I'd never had it taken out, which actually caused me a lot of anxiety, but it was fine. Spoiler alert, but I will tell you about it right now. So when you do go and you get your IUD changed, you do the same process that you do when you get your regular IUD, you buy the IUD. And then also something I forgot to mention earlier is that if you've never had an IUD before, they do make you take a pregnancy test before they put your IUD in. This is just because when you put an IUD in, it attaches directly to your uterus and they literally need to know that you are not pregnant at all in any chance or slightest because then it could negatively affect your IUD and also your baby and all this kind of stuff. So they do make you take a pregnancy test first. For me, when I went to go get it changed, because I'd already done that, I did buy a pregnancy test and take a pregnancy test, but my gynecologist was like, you didn't need to do that, obviously, because I do have an IUD, but I just wanted to be on the safe side. But if you do have an IUD right now, your gynecologist more than likely does not need you to take another pregnancy test. So the setup is the same as when you got it put in. So, you know, speculums in, all this kind of stuff. And basically your gynecologist goes in with these like little tools. I don't know the medic medical name for them, but basically she detaches this from your uterus. Now it does cramp when you get it taken out. And like for me personally, like I said earlier, I do not get super bad cramps. So like it hurt, but it wasn't anything that was like too crazy. So I did get it taken out and it did cramp for me and it continued to cramp like throughout the day. And that's also because I did get one put in immediately after. So the insertion process is literally exactly the same as when I first got it put in. However, my uterus was already like cramping and kind of hurt. So it was a little bit more painful. I don't even want to use the word painful because it didn't like hurt hurt, but it was uncomfortable. And so it was slightly more uncomfortable to get an IUD taken out and a new one put in immediately after each other. I mean, if I had the option, I probably would have got it taken out, waited a week and then got a new one put in. But also now that I think about it, I think it was better just to do it back to back because I only really had one day of being uncomfortable. All I did was like go home, I took an ibuprofen and then I slept for the rest of the day. And then the next day I woke up and I was fine, no cramping, and I had a brand new IUD. That is currently the one that I have right now. The Kylina, like I mentioned earlier, is a five-year IUD and so is the Marina. And I really honestly am enjoying it. I haven't had any side effects. I, you know haven't had any pregnancy scares. However, the one thing that is different between my Kylina and my Jadis is my period. So like I mentioned, when I had my Jadis, I did get my period regularly. Now within the first couple months of having my Kylina, probably the first like four-ish months, I would get a regular period. And then my body kind of got used to the amount of hormones that this IUD was putting into my body. 
and then I stopped getting my period altogether. Now I don't get my period. I don't get any type of regular period. I don't get any type of like blood or anything like that. However, sometimes I do get days where my body like will shed what I imagine is probably like supposed to be my period but it's just like an accumulation of like old uterus lining and it's like dead blood coming out of me and like that might sound a little gross but it does happen it's just because you're not getting like for lack of a better word a fresh period every single month your body is kind of just like accumulating it up in there and obviously it's dead blood it's not active you're not going to like release all this blood at once it literally is just dead blood your uterus lining that like happened to also accumulate over a couple months and that literally probably happens to me for like one day it's nothing like too crazy it also isn't really even that noticeable if anything I will wear like one of those thong panty liners like it's really not too big of a deal so that is where my period kind of falls into place with having an IUD okay so I know we are like deep, deep into this episode in terms of time, but that is it for the whole birth control section. I knew this was going to be the biggest section because there was just so much to learn about birth control and a lot of information I wanted to share about IUDs because that is a question that I really do get often and a question that I see a lot of the time, like I mentioned earlier. So for me personally, I'm a big advocate for the IUD if you think that it fits your lifestyle and your body and you and your gynecologist agree. I would definitely say IUD if you are like me, you like a set it and forget it type of situation. I also have friends who really like their ring and I also have friends who are still on birth control just pills. So it definitely is a choice that is 100% up to you. So make sure you talk to your doctor, your gynecologist, and you know, sit and think with yourself to make the right choice for you. Before we get into the next kind of things that I want to talk about, I did want to remind you that the two websites that I talked about earlier when it came to birth control was Felix, so felix4u.ca, and also simplehealth.com if you are in the U.S. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about when it comes to safe sex or just like sex in general is infections. So the first like type of infection that we're going to talk about is um, like your typical yeast infection. And then we will also get into UTIs and then also bacterial vaginosis. I did kind of speak on this on the vagatial episode, which is one of the first episodes of the podcast. However, I did want to bring it up again because this is something that a lot of people I am finding do struggle with or have had experience with and don't really know what to do. So let's get into it. The first ever yeast infection I had was when I was very young and you know one of the symptoms of a yeast infection is actually peeing blood and that's how I found out I had a yeast infection. Now that literally has not happened to me since that one time. However, if you are sexually active, something that I had happened to me over a period of time last year when I was admittedly sleeping with a lot of people is I would get a yeast infection after... Up, up until a point, I would get a yeast infection every single time I had sex with a new person. And so I really think that's because my body was like, what is going on? Like, if you guys don't know, obviously the, the pH, the acidity, whatever it is of somebody else's body chemistry reacts with your own body chemistry. And like, sometimes your body just doesn't like it. So a lot of the time I would get yeast infections after I had sex with people. And I was like, this is actually the absolute worst. But let me talk to you really quick about what an actual yeast infection is. So a yeast infection is a fungal infection and it can cause things like irritation, discharge, itchiness, all of this kind of stuff. 
The symptom that I experienced the most that I knew when I had a yeast infection was discharge and itchiness after I had sex with people and my body was like, no, ma'am, that is not it. For the longest time, I just did like an over-the-counter type of situation, like Canestin type of vibe. But to be truthfully honest, that stuff is kind of expensive to be buying every single time you had sex. And like, for me, I was having a lot of sex last year. So I was like, I'm really not about to do that. So something that I also talked about, I honestly can't remember what episode it was, but something I talked about was these supplements called Nutriblast. So Nutriblast is actually a vaginal suppository that has boric acid. Now you might be like, Carly, what are literally all of the fucking words that you just said? Because definitely I was like that as well. If you've never done it, the Canestin type of packages, they come in different types. So you can do like an external cream. I think they also have like an oral one and then they also have a suppository. So a suppository, they give it to you on this little like stick and you put the pill in it and you literally stick it into your vagina. I think these are the most effective because it literally gets to the root of the problem versus doing an external cream or an internal pill that you like take by mouth. This is like literally putting it into the field of the problem. So I do really, really like the the suppository situation. However, like I mentioned earlier, I was not trying to buy a Canestin thing every single freaking time I had sex with someone. So I looked for an option. Boric acid has been something that a lot of people have come across and have said that it works. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it's been tested and it's safe and effective and all this kind of stuff. So boric acid, I got these pills. They're called Boric Life and they are by the company Nutriblast, N-U-T-R-A Blast. I got them on Amazon. They are incredible. Not only does this help to balance your pH, which when you do have a yeast infection, that's what's happening there. Like your, your, you know, inner workings or your I don't even know the correct word for it. Your your bacteria are out of balance. So the Nutriblast helps to combat the fact that you have an imbalance, which is giving you a yeast infection. It also helps to support your vaginal health overall. And I do really like that. When I was having sex and I was getting a yeast infection after sex and all this kind of stuff, I would start being proactive. So if I had sex with that person, I would immediately go home after and then I would you know, pop a, a boric acid pill into my vagina and like call it a day because I knew I wanted to get ahead of it without it even being an issue. Before, before I used to do this, like I would get like the symptoms of a yeast infection, like a couple days afterwards. But then I started taking these boric acid pills and it literally worked like a charm. Okay. I loved it. It was incredible. I had a great time. I still use them to this day. Obviously, I'm not having sex because like we're in quarantine and I'm not fucking seeing anyone. But um, if I do go back to, you know, sleeping with a ton of people and having yeast infections, Nutriblast, they've got me. They are incredible. Having a great time. I would totally recommend them. The next infection that I want to talk about that is very directly related to a yeast infection is bacterial vaginosis. And you might have never heard this term before, but bacterial vaginosis is kind of similar to a yeast infection. So it's overgrowth of bacteria, which upsets like the natural balance, but it definitely is different from a yeast infection. And let me literally tell you from experience. So when I first started dating my ex-boyfriend now, we ended up having a day where we had so much sex in the day that we accidentally gave each other yeast infections. And then 
because I was not smart enough to recognize the symptoms of yeast infection because I hadn't had one for so long. My yeast infection somehow bred bacterial vaginosis. So I had a yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis at the same time, which let me tell you was the fucking worst. It literally felt like my vagina had like a trillion little paper cuts. The discharge was awful. I was so uncomfortable all of the time. And so originally I took like one of those canestin yeast infection things and I was like, okay, cool. And it kind of helped, but also didn't really help because it just came back. I also should say that like bacterial vaginosis is definitely for women who are more in their reproductive years. Those are the people who are more likely to get bacterial vaginosis. However, I was literally like 19, no 20 when I got it. So I mean, it can affect anybody. And let me tell you, it is not nice. It is not nice. I would not wish it upon anybody. So like I said earlier, I was talking about the Nutriblast supplements. In this specific situation with bacterial vaginosis, this is not something that I believe you can really treat over the counter. Canestin does have bacterial vaginosis packages. However, I have never tried them because at the time I did not know I had bacterial vaginosis. I just thought I had a bad yeast infection. So I was only using products to treat the yeast infection. However, when I did go to my doctor, they were like, you literally have a yeast infection and bacterial vaginosis at the same time. So that was honestly just not a vibe clearly. And I did have to get a prescription over the counter medication to deal with that. Now, if you're sitting here like, oh my God, what the heck? Like, how do I get rid of this? Like blah, 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 blah. Really easy. It literally was just pills. I just took these pills for the set amount of days I was supposed to take the pills. And then you also don't have sex for a certain amount of days to make sure that it is completely gone from your body. And let me tell you, when I did do this, I took the over the, the counter pills, all of that kind of stuff. My body was fine. It reset. All of the symptoms went away. I didn't have to go back into my doctor to get like another set of pills or anything like that. It did go away and I have not had it again since. However, it was really not the best. So I would definitely say if you are experiencing, you know, different than normal yeast infection symptoms, please go get checked for bacterial vaginosis. Moving on to the last type of like things that I want to talk about in regards to infections that are like low level, I wanted to talk about UTIs or urinary tract infections. Those are definitely things that you can get from sex, but also not from sex. That can be simple as holding your pee too long and then you give yourself a UTI. That can also be a result of sex and stuff like that. So let's talk UTIs. So a urinary tract infection is an infection in any part of your urinary system, which includes your kidneys, your bladder, your uterus, or your urethra. Are we surprised? UTIs are definitely more common in women. However, one in 10 men will get an UTI in their life. So, I mean, men are not immune to the UTI. It's just obviously females who do have it more. So some symptoms of UTIs are burning when you pee, a frequent or intense urge to pee, cloudy, dark, bloody, or strong smelling pee, feeling tired or shaky, fever or chills, or pain or pressure in your lower back or abdomen. Personally, for me, I have never had a UTI, so I cannot talk from, you know, a lot of experience that I've had. However, I've had friends who've had UTIs and all this kind of stuff, 
and it's not the best experience, but let me, let me, you know, talk through this a little bit. So something that when it comes to UTIs, a lot of people know is cranberry juice. Cranberry juice is literally always promoted to help with UTIs. You can use it preventative or you can use it treatment wise. I am literally looking it up right now, and so this says the red berry, the cranberry, contains a tannin that might prevent E. coli bacteria, which is the most common cause of urinary tract infections, from sticking to the walls of your bladder where they can cause an infection. However, research has shown that it doesn't do much to reduce infections, but I feel like for me, a placebo effect, I'm like, okay, if I'm drinking it, it's working. However, there's no science to back it up. So don't like, don't take my word for that. But cranberry juice is a effective way to help treat existing UTIs. When it comes to UTIs, there is also people who do get chronic UTIs. Now this could be from anything. They just have very sensitive bacteria and they have a sensitive balance when it comes to their vagina. And you know, sometimes people just like get these chronic UTIs over and over and over again. So when it comes to chronic UTIs, this is saying that if you have three or more UTIs per year, you can be put on a treatment plan for chronic UTIs. So this is saying some options include a low dose of antibiotic over a long period of time to help prevent or treat infections, a single dose of an antibiotic after sex, which is a common infection trigger, and then also antibiotics for one or two days every time symptoms appear. So something I want to talk about again is the relation of infection and sex. For me personally, I would get a yeast infection a lot of the time when I had sex. I know people who do get UTIs when they have sex. This is literally just something that happens when your body is out of balance. You can get either or. Kind of just depends on you. The prevention and stuff like that, if you do find yourself prone, you can get an over-the-counter medication as well as you can use the Nutriblast boric acid type of situation. This is also saying here that you should definitely drink more water, which I feel like is very tried and true tip. We always need more water. This is also saying that you should, if you are experiencing these symptoms, definitely choose a shower over a bath. As we all know, sitting in hot water is really not good for our entire vaginal area, the inside, the outside, all that kind of stuff, the heat, it just is not a good time because that can promote bacteria growth and all this kind of stuff. So please choose a shower over a bath if you are experiencing these symptoms. The last kind of tip when it comes to UTIs, this is a tip that you need to use regardless if you are prone to UTIs, yeast infections, XYZ. The tip, say it with me, it's to pee after sex always pee after sex. And here's why. You need to flush out the bacteria. You need to like get all this shit out of your body that you just had sex. I don't care if you used a condom. I don't care if you didn't use a condom. If you didn't use a condom, you need to pee even more after sex. Do not let somebody else's bacteria sit inside of you. Get up, pee after sex. I promise you it will help. A little baby segment I want to talk about very quick before we get into our last topic, which is STDs. I actually want to talk about condoms. Now, this is something that my friends are on my absolute ass about. And you might be like, Carly, how can you sit here and do an entire episode about this? However, I am a condom hater. I 
am a condom hater. I don't know what else to say. I'm a condom hater. And here's the thing too, is I also am allergic to latex. So it is so hard when you're going on like a hookup to be like, oh, JK, like I also have a latex allergy and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like my friends probably rolled their eyes when I said it's so hard because it's really not. I really could just buy latex-free condoms, but I don't. So don't be like me and instead use protection. Something that I do have to really drive home the point here is that the only way that sex is 100% like not going to make you pregnant Well, one of them is abstinence. However, the other one is if both of you use contraception. So if you are on birth control and they use a condom, the likelihood of you getting pregnant is so, 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 so low that it literally is basically non-existent. So definitely use a condom. If you are allergic to condoms like I am, then get a latex-free condom. They are probably only like 20 bucks on Amazon. You can subscribe and save that shit if you are having a lot of sex. I am really kind of like pep talking myself right now into this because this is definitely something that I struggle with. However, a little addendum I should make when it comes to condoms is I definitely don't use them when I have a consistent partner because I mean, it's somebody that I trust and all that kind of stuff, but you do not have to do that if you do not feel comfortable. Always make sure you feel 100% comfortable in any situation when you're having sex with anyone. So that is something I just really wanted to say very quick. I don't really have a lot of wisdom on condoms, so just use them and be safe. Don't be like me. And yes, the last thing I want to talk about is STDs. That is the last thing that we are doing in our little segment situation. And I, I feel like I saved the best for last because I think a lot of people also have questions in regards to this, and I would kind of just like to talk about it a little bit. If you guys don't know what STD or STIs are, is they are sexually transmitted infections or diseases. I think they've officially changed the term to I. I don't really know why, but a a sexually transmitted infection. Some of these include things like syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, herpes, other ones that I can't remember, but things like that. The ones that you've probably heard the most about are the ones that I just listed, and I did want to just talk about them really quickly. The first thing I wanted to say about STDs is that if you do contract an STD, I know it is very scary. I know it can potentially be a judgmental time. However, I just want to say that just because you contracted a sexual transmitted infection does not make you less than or less worthy or anything like that. It is something that just happens sometimes to the best of us. And it is something that happens to a lot of people. Now, you know, you can prevent STDs. We'll talk about that first. You can prevent STDs by using condoms, by being vigilant, by making sure that your partner is clean. You can also do this by not having casual sex. That is, I find, a time where a lot of people do contract any type of STD is casual sex, especially with the whole Tinder, Bumble, online dating app type of situations. That is definitely where a lot of this stuff is becoming very prevalent. So please keep that in mind when you are having casual hookups that, I mean, if you don't have a casual hookup and you do start seeing someone and you are both clean and all that kind of stuff, that is a really good way to prevent STIs. Something that I should also say is that you should never be embarrassed to ask if somebody has been tested recently or if they are clean or XYZ. There are certain STDs. I think there is literally one, which is HIV, which people are 
apparently legally bound to disclose if they have it because there is no cure for HIV. So if you do contract HIV from someone and they did not tell you, I believe you can take legal action on it. I am not 100% sure. Please look into it yourself. However, I just did want to mention that very quickly. But like I was saying earlier, there is no shame in asking someone if they are clean if they have gotten tested recently, all of this kind of stuff, and also that you can definitely stop the interaction if they haven't been tested in a while or if they say they aren't clean or anything like that, you can definitely tell them that you are not no longer comfortable having sexual interactions with them and that is completely fine and 1000% your own choice. Now, let's say you do contract an STD, what happens? So I'm going to speak from my own personal experience. I actually have had chlamydia. So chlamydia, I feel like is one of the typical STDs that I feel like everybody gets. It's like, I shouldn't say everybody. It's like the most common one that I've, when I've talked to people is the one that people have gotten. So chlamydia is like I don't want to say a low level STD because I don't think it is, but like I said, it is the one that I know that everybody has gotten that I have talked to. The first thing I kind of wanted to talk about is the symptoms. For me, I am asymptomatic with literally everything except for yeast infections. So when I had chlamydia, I had no idea. So you might be like, oh my God, what the heck? Like, did you sleep with people? Did you blah, 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 blah? And so when I first had chlamydia is when I was in a committed relationship of almost five years. So I got it because my partner had cheated on me and I obviously getting tested never crossed my mind because we had been together for so long. However, when I did get tested, I found out I had chlamydia, which also then I found out my partner cheated on me. So there are those situations and I've had friends who have found out the same way, which is very unfortunate. However, it does happen like that. But like I said, I am asymptomatic. However, here are some symptoms of chlamydia. One of them is painful urination, vaginal discharge in women, discharge in men, painful sex or intercourse in women, bleeding between periods and after sex, and then also testicular pain in men. Reading these symptoms, I literally never had any of these when I actually had chlamydia. However, reading these, a lot of them are very similar to a yeast infection. So for example, painful urination or vaginal discharge, which I think is why chlamydia is so common is it might be easier to get than the other ones because more people have it. I honestly, I'm honestly not hundred percent sure. Now you might be wondering, okay, so you have chlamydia or you have an STD. What happens next? Specifically for chlamydia, you can go in, you get tested when you get the results back that you have a STI or you do have chlamydia specifically, you do get antibiotics. So you can literally go in anywhere. We do have an STD clinic here in the city that I live in. However, you can go into any like medi center or like quick doctor situation, get a rec, you go do blood work and then they call you. And then if you do have it, you do go into your doctor or whoever you saw, or they can also fax you a prescription and you can just go in and get it filled. And then you take these pills for X amount of days. You don't have sex for X amount of days after, and then you are good to go. You can get another test afterwards if you, you know, are skeptical about the whole process. However, both of the times that I've done it, I have not got a test after because I mean, it's very effective. The treatment is very effective. So I've never had to worry about afterwards. 
That being said, that whole process is literally the same for almost every single STD. I haven't had any of the other STDs and I hope I literally never will. However, literally you just need to be really vigilant on getting tested. For me personally, I am thinking of speaking to my doctor. Obviously not this year cuz you know, we're in lockdown, we're not having sex, all of that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking of speaking to my doctor and literally just getting like six recs for an STD test and getting checked once every two months type of thing if I am sleeping with different people. It's good to just have them on hand and to just have a peace of mind. I used to be very bad at this. I went all of last year without getting tested and then got tested the absolute last month, literally December of the year, to find out I was clean and everything was good. But like that was very irresponsible of me. So I'm looking to shift my habits when it comes to this into better habits. So I'm not being irresponsible with my body and my health. So like I mentioned earlier, you can definitely request multiple recs from your doctor. And if you are in the US, I believe that obviously I don't live in the US, so I've never had this problem. But if they refuse to give you more than one, something that I've learned from Twitter, so I'm not even sure if this is 100% correct, but you ask them to note that in your chart so that, you know, when you get a new doctor or anything like that, your doctor literally has to acknowledge why they refuse to give you XYZ. And I'm hearing that like nine times out of 10, what you wanted, they will actually give you because they don't want to write down the reason that they did not give you what you asked for. So, I mean, if you ask for a certain amount and they don't give them to you, you can ask them to note it in your chart and they will either note it in your chart and be firm on their stance or they will give you what you want. So just some like insider tips and tricks when it comes to that. Overall, I would definitely say please get tested consistently, especially if you are changing partners often. A good way, like I said earlier, to prevent this is to use condoms, have one partner you are familiar with, make sure you have good, open, and honest communication. However, there are situations where for me, for example, I did have a committed partner and all this kind of stuff, and it just did not work out for me. So I would just stay on top of it, make sure, even if you get checked once every six months, if you're in a committed relationship or once a year, it is always good to know just in case. That is it for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it was a long one, but I really wanted to sit down and have a full discussion on all of this with you guys, you know, bring my own opinions and my experiences, and then also some good Dr. Google into this. Like I said earlier, please, 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 if you are considering any of these or you have experience with any of these, you are currently experiencing any of these, please speak to your doctor, your gynecologist, a medical professional. I am not a medical professional, so please take everything I just said with a grain of salt. However, all of this was my own personal experience that I have dealt with that I wanted to share with you guys just in case you had questions and this podcast was kind of the only thing that you are currently relying on to get, you know, sex education. Sometimes it just is not accessible and I totally get it. So that is why I wanted to do this episode for you guys today. Before you go, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every single Tuesday, Thursday, and I would love to have you in the next one. Also, if you are an Apple podcast listener, make sure to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help me out and I would really, really appreciate it. Also, make sure to screenshot this episode and share it over on Instagram and tag me at HeyBitchesPodcast. I would absolutely love to answer any questions or anything you guys had about this episode in the DMs. I love you guys so much. I hope you guys have an incredible day. And for now, bye bye bitch.